Good afternoon, everybody. How are you all doing today? Great, awesome, good. It's pretty hot today, right? Yeah, it's humid. Do you all have your handouts today? If you're feeling hot and humid, the handout is good for many things. All right, you're going to need a handout as we go through our study today. If you need a handout, just shoot your hand up in the air and we will help you with that. If you need an envelope for your giving, we do take up offerings at the end of the service. And for those of you that are practicing the discipline of tithing, we want to encourage you and we continue to pray for you as you trust God in your giving and returning to God what is his. Because everything we have from God, everything that is good, every provision, it's a gift from God. Our study today is entitled Wholeness, wholeness. Wholeness is the state of forming a complete and harmonious whole, unity. It's a state of being unbroken or undamaged. It's also good physical, mental, and spiritual health. Wholeness. How many of you feel whole? today. Not full from eating too many sandwiches, but whole. Yeah, some people think wholeness is feeling stuffed, right? But wholeness, it, it's something I think is actually more of a foreign concept to most people. When was the last time you felt whole? There's always something that seems broken. There's always something that seems lacking. There's always something that keeps you yearning and longing for more. Why are we never satisfied as human beings? You know the way that God created us? We have a hunger drive. We have a drive for sex. We have all these different things inside us, and he created us in a wonderful way. But for some reason, the things that we go to don't always satisfy, do they? Temporarily, maybe. Instant gratification, if you're really hungry, go to the drive-thru and pick up that hamburger. You'll fill yourself and you'll feel good for a while. And then half an hour later, you're hungry again. Wholeness. What are we really talking about when we talk about wholeness? Our key text today is found in John 14, verse 27. It says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. This is Jesus speaking. Peace I leave with you. I don't give it as the world gives. So let's talk a little bit about peace today. Inner peace. I looked up in the dictionary to see what it had to say. What, what is peace? It's freedom from disturbance, quiet, and tranquility. Freedom from or the cessation of war or violence. Now, I got to say, I'm very thankful to God today for, for many things. He seems to just work everything out. Um, our house has been under some disturbances this past week. And not the typical disturbances that I talk of. We made the bold decision to start renovating our home. And that involves knocking down walls and dust all over the place. And it's really kind of... Um, it's loud, and it's noisy, and it's dusty. And this is right outside our bedrooms where my children and my wife sleep. I sleep there too, but it doesn't really bother me. See, last night, I had all this, this dust and all these tools still lying out. And for some reason, out of the blue, my, I got a phone call from my brother. And he said, hey, Tim, is it OK if um, your two older sons hang out for a sleepover tonight? I was like, wow, that's like perfect timing. That's an answered prayer before I even prayed it, you know? But my boys are very excited about helping in the renovations, but they also like to get into things where they're not supposed to be. So last night, needless to say, my wife and I had a fairly peaceful evening. It was quiet, kind of tranquil, right? Free from disturbances. <laughs> Um, wow, we were able to breathe, and it was so quiet. Um, our other two children fell asleep pretty easily. And this morning, guess what? 
they all slept in. So I woke up this morning, and I was like, wow, peace. <laughs> peace, you know, because what does peace look like for you? I mean, peace is something different for everybody, you know? Maybe it's uh, time off work. Maybe it's when you go camping and you're out in nature. Maybe it's when you're sitting by the waters and you're just out there watching the waters crash against the, the shore. What is peace for you? For some people, it's um, yoga class, you know? They want to go and they do all these breathing exercises. I think for most of us, it probably means feeling settled within ourselves, not feeling angst, not feeling worry, this inner peace. So I wanted to see what the Bible had to say about peace, and I found a few verses here. The first one's found in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. It says, let the peace of Christ rule where? In your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. I love how it adds that and be thankful at the end. All right, we're all called to peace, but be thankful. And it got me thinking, can we truly experience God's peace if we're not thankful? Hmm. How thankful. That's why I always say at Praise Gathering, as we come to God in worship, let us come with hearts praising him, hearts with thanksgiving. See, because when we come before God thanking him, we're acknowledging him for who he is, for all he's done, and we are grateful, right? When we are grateful, wow, we can start to experience that peace. If we're not grateful, it's like there's always going to be something more that we need, something more we got to get. So we just bother God whenever we have a problem. Maybe in the midst of our problem, we're not thankful yet because we're still praying to God and we're like, so when are you going to answer my prayer, huh, God? And you show up at praise gathering, singing songs, but you're not at peace inside. Not thankful. And it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The heart being the central part of your being. If the heart stops pumping, the rest of the body fails. If there's something wrong with the heart, it spreads out to the rest of the body. So at the center of your being, if God's peace is not ruling there, I ask you, what is ruling your heart? What is at the inside of you? If you've been feeling a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of sadness, it's okay to have feelings this way. But if those are the things that are ruling your life, and you're operating from a platform of dissatisfaction and grumbling and unthankfulness, it's no wonder we don't know God's peace. Next verse. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. Do you find comfort in knowing that the Lord is with you? You find comfort, right? It feels good. But why does it comfort you? Why does it comfort you? Come on, guys. He's the Prince of Peace? Okay, so knowing who he is, if you know him as a Prince of Peace, then yes, that would bring some comfort. Anybody else? Knowing you're not alone. You're not going through it. All on your own, that brings you a sense of peace. Great. Anybody else? We just sang about it today. God is able. He is able. If I have someone with me, I don't want someone with me that can't do it, that just can't do anything. I don't want somebody with me that can't help me out, you know? They don't add anything to the situation. But knowing that our God is able, wow, that brings me a sense of if I can't do it, I know my God can, right? Um, have you ever had difficulty forgiving somebody? Yeah? Who here has had difficulty forgiving somebody? Show of hands, honest. Three people. Really? Four. Wow, you guys are better than I am. <laughs> if you've ever had difficulty forgiving somebody, 
and you're trying to do it in your own power. Do you have peace in your soul? It's quiet, yeah? Do you have peace in your soul when you can't forgive somebody? No, you're hanging on to resentment. You're hanging on to anger. You're, you're hanging on to hatred. And these things are not the things of God. Hatred is the opposite of love. Right? Until we know God's love, until his perfect love casts out that weakness in us, that hate, we could never know the peace of God. I probably should have started with this. How many of you want peace in your life? That's a lot more hands. Maybe you have trouble forgiving now. What, what is it? Why do you need more peace in your life? There are many passages like this one, like in 2 Thessalonians, many passages in the Bible that refer to God as a God of peace. There are many greetings in the New Testament letters that include some version of the phrase, peace from God. But what is this peace from God? See, I just asked you, how many of you want peace? A bunch of hands go up. But what is peace? What is this peace from God? Or are we focusing just on the peace that the world talks about? Because what does peace look like? Peace is knowing Jesus, and we'll get there, right? But for some people, knowing Jesus, it doesn't sound like peace. Mm. And while as those that do know that, know that, those that don't know that, don't know it yet. Right? We could tell people that, and it won't make a difference to them. Because they're looking for instant gratification. They don't want to do the work. See, a lot of us, we are innately selfish. When we are born, we just care about ourselves. And we're going to do, do whatever it takes for us to find that peace, not realizing that peace can only come from God. Right? Because as in this passage, we're talking about the God of peace. And true peace can only come from God. But we look at other things in our life, don't we, in order to find that peace. I know many of my friends love to go to yoga. They love yoga. Because life is so stressful. And there's nothing wrong with exercise, okay? But I find a lot of them put a lot more faith in their yoga than they do in being still before God. In order to quiet their minds, they go through a bunch of breathing techniques. And they'll breathe and they'll hold these poses and at the end of it they're like, ah, oh, my yoga. And I see them worship and praise their yoga sessions more than I see them praising our God. What is yoga doing for them that God isn't doing for them? And why are they finding it there? Hmm. There are some other things. Let, let's continue on with our next passage here. The fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, peace, love, joy, peace, it's pretty up there, right? We all talk about love, we all talk about joy, but did you know peace is also the fruit of the Spirit? And if God's Spirit is dwelling with you, then and only then can that fruit be produced in your life, right? I think that's what Brother Oro here, Uncle Oro, was sharing with us. Until you know Jesus and until you have his spirit alive within you, then and only then can we know true peace. But it's not a peace that we conjure up ourselves, right? This is fruit. Have you ever grown fruit before? Yeah? I told you about my blueberry bush in the backyard. It took years before I saw the first fruit come out. I didn't know what was in this plant. And through persistence of watering it, tending to it, pruning it, watching it grow, and waiting and waiting patiently, finally I saw the fruit of this tree. In your life, you might want peace and you might want it right now, but friends, there's a process here. It's growth. It's maturity. It's a remaining. Sometimes God will prune things from your life. Sometimes he's watering down blessings and shining his light over your situation, and it takes a while before that fruit can grow in your life, sometimes. 
But that blueberry bush, it doesn't say, okay, fruit, grow. At the right time, the fruit comes. It won't come out in the middle of winter. It comes up at the right time. My friends, if you're still waiting for God's love and peace in your life, keep hanging on. Keep remaining in him. Stay connected. And allow God to do the work in your life, pruning. It's not you that's going to bring the peace. Only God can do that in your life. Amen? Did you know that you are the temple of God's spirit? Yeah? And if his spirit's dwelling in you, then you know that his fruit will eventually come, yeah? Matthew 10, 34 kind of threw me for a loop as I was preparing for this study. Jesus speaking, he said, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Huh? It's like, wait, hold on. I thought Jesus was all about peace. What do you mean he, he didn't come to bring peace? Well, not peace that the world knew. He needed to bring this separation. He needed to make sure, cutting into the hearts of people's lives, he needed to make sure people knew what they were choosing. He needed people to know, listen, do you really want God or do you really want all this other stuff you're doing? Through all your religious practices, you think those religious practices will bring you peace? That could do nothing for you. So he's calling people out from putting their faith in other things. And he's going to say, those of you that will come and put your faith in me, whoever believes in me will have everlasting life. Right? Inner peace. Jesus said, not as the world gives. He gives peace, but not as the world gives. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14 to 15 says, And no wonder Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. What do you do to find peace? I talked about my friends that, that love their yoga. Yes, you love yoga? <laughs> Some people find it by reading books in the self-help section. Other people, they will not miss one session of their therapy whatever therapy that is. Uh, my family goes to the chiropractor, right? And um, I enjoy going to the chiropractor. It helps me feel better in many different ways. And when I don't go to the chiropractor regularly, I start to feel angst in my body, you know? But there are so many different avenues we go to trying to get some sense of peace for our body, peace for our mind, healing in some sort of way. But we must be vigilant friends with what different mediums we are going to. Be vigilant about what you consult. Many of the mediums that are used today to provide you a sense of peace are often related to Christ-opposing spirits. Can you think of any? See, it's so subtle. And we think there's nothing wrong with this. There's, there's no harm in it. It's not hurting anybody. Horoscopes, fortune telling, palm readers. And sometimes this is even cloaked in the business world. Positive thinking, positive thinking. It's good, yes, be positive. But what are you thinking positively about if it's not of God? Self, you make yourself the God. And you promise yourself, you have it in you to do whatever you need to do for yourself and make your life wonderful. Lies, in a way, if it's not God. Sword, yep, the word of God is a sword. And we go yep. through the word, the 
Yes. That's right. That's right. Sometimes when God's truth comes and it offends you, when God's truth comes and it pierces to your heart and it makes you look at yourself, God's truth will not leave you where you are. It's going to shake you up and it's going to bring you to where he wants you to be, but he, make, he allows you to make that decision, right? So are you choosing Jesus or are you choosing the world? And that is as black and white as it is. There is no gray zone. So a lot of the time, here, we might be playing around in the gray zone. We're going to different things, different mediums. You know, before, we thought it's just witchcraft and sorcery. But did you know witchcraft and sorcery is simply manipulation? Did you know that? How often have you given in to manipulation? to get you distracted from your relationship with God? How often has a desire come up within you, a desire that was greater for that thing than it is for Jesus in your life? Whenever that happens, friends, know that you will not find the peace you are looking for. God created you in his image. Man was created in the image of God, okay? But because of our sin, it makes us enemies with God. And as long as we are opposed to God, friends, you will not find peace because you are at war with God within yourself. Are you aligning your desires with God's desires? Or are you choosing to be selfish to just get what you want out of life and what you could do with it? You know, it says uh, how Satan masquerades as an angel of light. Some things sound good, and even in the church, people are easily deceived. You know this. They'll still carry the name Christian, but they're following um, false teachings. They're, they're following um, things like the prosperity gospel we bring up every now and then. right? And these things, they, they will capture you, and you start to worship for that. What keeps you coming to church week after week or going to Bible study week after week? Is it to know God or are you just looking for some sense of peace? You know, maybe it's become your therapy, you know? Um, I've had a bad week, so I really have to go and read the Bible with some friends. Are you seeking God or are you just looking for something else for yourself so you feel good again? I don't know. I don't know what your reasons are. Do you go because you love God and you love his church? Because you recognize that you are part of that one body? Yes. Sure. It can start there, yeah. But even when we start there, if we're not seeking God yet, yeah, you know what? It's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to discover that peace overnight. It's not just going to come because, I mean, you start off just wanting peace first. It can lead you to Jesus. Why? Jesus is our peace. I mean, isn't that, isn't that the paradox? Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace but he is our peace. Let's look at Matthew 10, 12 to 14. This is Jesus as he's speaking to his 12 apostles before he sends them out to minister to people with a message of the, the kingdom of God. So he says to them, as you enter a home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Do you have loved ones that are still struggling and they don't know Jesus? I'm sure you know a few. Have you been trying to 
speak God's truth into their life and share the good news and, and win their soul for Jesus? I'm sure you might have tried. And even if you didn't go to them, I'm sure you've probably prayed for them, at least. Praying behind their back. We can't bring the peace to a person's life if they are always rejecting Jesus. And no matter how much you want to try, friends, don't waste your energy on the person if they keep rejecting Jesus. You take the peace back with you. You can't offer them something that they're just going to reject anyway. This is a hard thing to do because it challenges us. Do I love God more than I love this person I'm trying to save? It's hard. Maybe you have a group of friends. You enjoyed your time with them, but you've grown more spiritually. You've started to mature. And you're like, I wish my friends would just change. I wish that they would just love Jesus as much as I do. You know, and, and you want Jesus for them, but they just want the world for themselves still. It's a good thing that you love them enough and you care enough to be there for them. But if God is not leading you to them, God knows their heart. And if they have chosen, you walk away, take the peace with you, and shake the dust off your feet. You understand? The enemy could get you stuck by focusing just on one or two. And then so many more miss out on the opportunity to hear the good news of God. You see, we are meant to go out and, and make as many disciples, not try to make a good disciple out of just one or two. We don't think about it too often, do we? But you know when you're struggling and you're, that person isn't changing and the person, you just keep praying for them, where's the peace with you? Sometimes you're not putting faith in God. You're putting faith in your ability to convince the person that they're wrong and you're right and they need to agree with you. Don't waste your energy. That's not what God called us to do. He doesn't need you to defend him. He's a strong God. He can handle himself. And he will use you where he wants to use, where he wants to use you, not where you want to be used all the time. And sometimes that means he will uproot you from one place and send you somewhere you do not want to go. I did not want to marry Beverly. That's, in all fairness, she didn't want to marry me even more. but we go where the Lord leads us, right? And because we love the Lord and we love the Lord, we're like, okay, okay, Lord, if this is what you want. And everywhere along the way, you think you're being obedient, and he'll teach you one lesson. You don't learn the lesson, he teaches you another lesson. You're like, Lord, I love you. I'm setting my heart on you. I thought that you promised that if I do that, I'll know your peace. Where's the peace? And for the first seven years of our marriage... We've only been married eight, almost nine, nine years. For the first seven years of our marriage, wow, no peace. Living hell, she says. It's from my wife's mouth. I didn't say living hell, she did. <laughs> I thought it was lovely. No. Um, but there was very little peace. Lots of new experiences, but many more moments where we needed to learn to trust God all the more. So when something goes wrong, I could have gone into male mode and try and just fix it myself. But instead of trying to fix it, I knew there was nothing I could do to fix what was broken in our, in our relationship, in our home. Our house was not at peace. It, there were many disturbances. It was not quiet and tranquil by any means. If anything, it was a war zone in a way. And when I'm in prayer, because I can't do anything, I'm not even asking God to save me from it anymore. I'm just like, Lord, what do you want out of this? Because I followed you here, I know you're not going to leave me here, but what, how much longer is this going to be? I don't want to grumble, Lord. But where is this peace? For the next couple of years, after those seven years, the Lord taught me that lesson. Just be still. I am with you. My wife was still in that place where she was angry, where there were trust issues with me. 
And you would think when you're not being respected, when you're not being trusted, when somebody hasn't forgiven you, you kind of feel you'd crumble, right? But even though she was still that way for some time, I could stand. I didn't crumble. And that wasn't by my own doing. It's because I knew the Lord was with me. And it's not that I needed to be protected from my wife, but it's that I was able to learn how to operate from a place of peace. You see, it took seven years for God to build that fruit in me within our marriage. And it wasn't until that fruit started coming up that my, my wife realized, wow, the way that you trust in the Lord, that is really a way that I could trust too. You were angry at me. I was angry at him for being at peace. I wanted him to be as unsettled and as angry as I was. I wanted him to be just where I was. I wanted to pull him down too. But when I constantly saw him praying, I constantly saw him meeting me with silence and he would never raise his word, his, his angry tone to me. He would never, you know, and that's not the Tim I knew growing up. Every little thing used to make him upset. Every little thing used to make him explode. But in marriage, I, I, I kept telling him, oh, we're just friends, we're, just, we're still friends, we can still be the friends that we were. But when I saw that he wanted to be that godly man, that he wanted to show me who God was, I told him, you know what? I have never seen God the way you have revealed him to me. You know, and for me to say that to him, it's kind of like he, was, he would never expect that from me because for me, it's always like, I'm always right. You, don't, you can never win this argument. And to be humbled by his peace and, and quiet, that can only come from the Lord. No human could ever have that amount of persistence and patience and tolerance. No man would ever deal with a woman that way unless it was from the Lord. Thanks, wife. Yeah. I didn't ask her to say that. <laughs> so for all you guys that are struggling and you don't have that sense of peace, if you feel it's not worth fighting for, whatever it is, friends, just keep trusting in the Lord. That's it. Trust in the Lord and just keep hanging on. Guys, if there's a woman in your life that's giving you a hard time, <laughs> the dust of your feet so if you walk into a situation into somebody's place and they're just rejecting the word of God if they're rejecting whatever it is you're bringing when it says dust just shake the dust off your feet. Don't take any of that with you. Any of that negative, um, God-opposing stuff, just leave it behind. Don't carry it with you. Don't, don't feel that, oh, no, I didn't succeed. Just leave that behind because the Lord will deal with everybody the way that he will deal with them. We don't have to carry that. Yes. The sword? Yeah, and when you leave, that's when you shake the dust off, yeah. You leave that place and don't carry any of it with you. That's right, yeah. Thank you for that. Let's continue on here. 
Next passage is 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So there are many professed Christians that say they acknowledge Jesus, but actually they deny Christ by not truly believing in him. They may use the name of Jesus because they want peace and life forever. Their practices reveal that they are placing their faith in other things. What sort of practices can you think of? I don't want to attack any one religion, but I do want to address a few things that are of great concern. There's a church that edifies Jesus' mother to a very high level, that she is immaculate, that she is pure, that she was chosen because she was free of sin. That's not biblical. But to elevate somebody to the same status as Jesus, because Jesus was the only human being that ever walked that was free of sin, untainted by the original sin, right? To elevate somebody else and take the place of Jesus, it's denying Jesus. It's denying who Jesus is, you see. To elevate anybody else. In, in the same church, the leader, the vicar of Christ, they believe in this church that, that Peter was the rock that Jesus built his church on. A human being. But Jesus is the chief cornerstone. The church is built on a solid foundation, Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Not Peter. Right? St. Peter's. Right? Denying Christ. Elevating somebody else to the same place where Christ is. Do you know that was the very heart of the enemy? He just wanted to be equal with God. He just wanted to be in on what God was doing. He wanted to be as special as he was and elevate himself to that place. That's denying Christ. And how many of my friends have gone to church, gone to, to mass, or gone to confession, and they're told, just pray these certain prayers and, and count the beads? That sounds no different from going to the witch doctor and asking for some good to come if you just say these spells over and over and touch these tokens, then you will get what you want. Well, I don't want to feel guilty about what I did. Okay, say these many prayers. Denying Christ. We have one mediator, that's Jesus Christ alone. We don't need somebody else, a human being, that needs to mediate on our behalf. As a church, we are told, yes, confess to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed, that you may be made whole, that you may find peace. Not going to confession, not allowing the church to mediate on your behalf, not praying to Mary to mediate on your behalf. We don't need anybody else. We have Jesus Christ. But so many friends just want to find peace. And they're given into the practices. The Eucharist. 
In our church growing up, we celebrated the Lord's Supper, and we did things in remembrance of Jesus. So we would take the bread and drink the wine as symbols to remind us of Jesus and his sacrifice and what he's done for us. But in the Eucharist, they believe that the bread magically becomes the actual body of Jesus Christ himself. And the wine that they drink is the actual blood of Jesus. There's a transfiguration that happens, and it becomes that. And when you eat the bread and drink the wine, that it actually becomes Jesus. Jesus died once, and once was all it took. We don't need to sacrifice him over and over again. Because what he did, that was enough. When we take those sacraments and we believe that this is the body of Jesus and you want to feel that Jesus is really in you because you've, you've taken that, it denies the actual work of Jesus at the cross. Do not be deceived. I'm not attacking the church for the church's sake. I'm speaking God's truth to reveal, friends, be vigilant about what you're putting your faith in. Maybe you could think of some other practices, not just religious practices. But there are many false prophets out there. If people are gouging you for your money when you go to their ministry, give us your money. Um, if you want to be blessed, give us your money, and God will bless you more. What? Lies. Lies. You know, if they really trusted God, why do they need your money? Because money makes the world go round. Yeah, that's the world. Money makes the world go round. But what makes God's church go round? It's his spirit at work within you, my friends. And if his spirit moves you to give, then give and give joyfully, cheerfully. If he moves you to bless other people, then do so. But don't bless in order to be blessed. Bless because you recognize God has already blessed you tremendously. Yes. Our faith. Amen. Amen. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation, right? Salvation is given to us as we have our faith in Jesus Christ. Yes. Working out your salvation would be more of the uh, remain in him, abide in him. No matter what comes, persevere and trust in God. That's working out your salvation. No matter what the world is throwing at you, my friends, God is carrying you right through that. All right? Yes. but not in our own effort, right? So working it out is carrying forward all that truth that we've received, that the truth comes alive, and it, it's lived out in, with our whole being, right? So it's no longer I that live, but Christ and his desires living in me, right? That's good. Thank you for sharing, everybody. This brings us to our last section here, the state of wholeness. State of wholeness. Have you heard that word, shalom? Yeah, very common greeting that you might hear. 
shalom. But what do we mean when we say shalom? We, sometimes we just think, oh, it means peace. Yeah, well, that's part of it. You know, so, you know, at the end of the church service when they say, okay, greet each other in peace. Oh, peace. Peace and the little handshake, you know. Peace. Peace. <laughs> the, the little peace, right? And you go around and you just greet each other and it's just a greeting. And you don't really mean anything by it. So you look your enemy in the eye and because you're at church, you put on that, that nice face. Oh, peace. Peace. <laughs> That's not shalom, <laughs> friends. Shalom has to do with an inward sense of completeness or wholeness. So when you greet each other, okay, shalom, what you're literally saying are things like this. May you be full of well-being. May health and prosperity be upon you. Do you wish well for others? Yeah? When you greet somebody peace, do you really want peace for their life? Yeah? It's good when you really want that for them. Right? That's shalom. But when you keep this understanding of peace or shalom in your mind, and you read through a passage like this next one that we're going to read through, I want you to hang on to this understanding of, of peace. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22 to 26 reads, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. What I love about this is all the detail. The Lord told Moses to tell Aaron and his sons, to tell the Israelites. And there's something about the way that, that God operates. Because he, he told Adam, don't eat of this fruit. And Adam had to tell Eve, right? So there's this, this line, this continuing thing that happens. It's like, you've been entrusted with this. And now you need to go forward and make sure that message comes out. Okay? So the Lord tells Moses. And Moses tells Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace, well-being, health and prosperity. Right? It's interesting to note when this command was given to Moses. This was just prior to the time where God expected the Israelites he led them up to the promised land. And it was time for them to go in and claim the promised land. And to claim that land meant they needed to war off all those that were there or subdue them and work with them and manage well. But that was their home that God promised them. And he's sending them to war. If peace was really the absence of war, then why would God give this command to Moses and Aaron. Oh, the Lord be with you. Peace. Go into war. And I used to kind of think this was kind of funny until I, I lived it out in my, my own life. I thought, wow, I'm finally with God. I'm finally obeying him. I'm going where he's leading me and everything's going to be great. And I felt the peace of God with me. And then he sent me into a war zone of marriage. And through that time, my friends, if you forget that the Lord is with you, you will forget the peace that is there as well. Okay? But so long as you remember him, that's why um, God gave the, the Israelites, he gave them the Sabbath to remember. He said, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy because if you forget the Sabbath, you're going to forget me. Because the world will vie for your attention, and you, you have all that other time with the world, but every now and then I want you to put this time aside for me. Don't forget me. If you forget me, all the blessings you won't remember. The Lord was with them out in the desert, out in the wilderness. And if you're in your wilderness experience right now, and you think, where is God? Friends, just look around. He's been with you all this time. If you wonder, why is he not blessing me? What do you mean he's not blessing you? Look at your life today. Can you honestly grumble before God and say, what's this life you've given me? He's given you life. This is a gift. How dare we 
grumble and complain and be ungrateful. We thank God with every breath that we take because every moment is a gift of grace. Your life is precious to the Lord and he has given this to you. Don't waste it. Don't be deceived because you want a lesser peace right now. God offers you the greatest peace you will ever know, a peace that you cannot understand, but a peace that will hold you and sustain you for all eternity, my friends. Don't settle for anything less. Remain in him. I find comfort in Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him, through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Reconciled, brought back to him. While we were God's enemies. God didn't wait for us to turn good before he said, come on home, child. While we were enemies, God made a way so that we could come home to him. To reconcile us to his home to his kingdom. We are reconciled through Christ's death because that was a sacrifice, the sacrifice that was needed, okay? But through his life and his resurrection, he saves us. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 22 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Remember we said that God created man in his image and here it's talking about the Son, Jesus Christ, being the image of the invisible God. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. And now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Have you ever been unforgiven? Not where you were being unforgiving, but you knew you wronged somebody and that person just would not forgive you. And you're always at odds with this person because you know they're holding this grudge. You know that they're hating on you. You know that they're keeping you in this prison of guilt and shame and they want you to suffer. The prison of unforgiveness affects everybody involved. Too many people I know, when I had gone to them and talked to them about Jesus, and, and you know, they've been going to church, and they go through the motions, but they're just like, yeah, you know what? I don't believe, no, God, he, no, I've done so many terrible things. You know, God would never take me. I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. I'm just rotten through and through. And I, I know that, you know what, God's calling, it's too high, I can't, I can't do it. What God wants is just too much, right? And you're not at peace. I know, it feels like that. Anguish. Eh. All right, buddy. No peace. Friends, you have been reconciled to God. There is nothing 
that needs to stand in the way between you and God any longer. A way has been made. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone who believes in him, you have access. You have access to God through Jesus Christ. Why are you staying away? The path was made clear before you. All you need to do is walk that path toward God. How do you do that? You accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, acknowledging that he did come in the flesh, that he did, in fact, die for your sins, and he did, in fact, rise from the grave and overcome the grave. And sin has no power over you anymore. So why do we still struggle in our sin? Could it be because we are looking for quick peace? Because we're compromising ourselves. What is it? I want you to think about this for yourselves. Take moments every time you feel, where is God in my life? Are you seeking God to know God? Or are you seeking him because you just don't want what this world has to offer you anymore? You are alive because God still has a plan for your life. You breathe another day, and that's an opportunity that you can come to know our Lord God. Don't pass up that opportunity, my friends. 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What is this ministry of reconciliation? That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. My friends, stand with me today. Right where you are, stand with me today. And right where you are, I just want you to put your hands out in front of you in that receiving position. And before you receive anything from God today, I'm going to ask you to search your heart for anything that you've been hanging on to and anything that's been keeping you from having that, that good relationship with Jesus. And I want you to just put all that in front of you today. Don't hide it from God. He knows your heart already. But when you choose to put that before you and offer that up and say, God, I don't want this in my life anymore. God, this is the thing that's breaking our relationship. God, this is the thing that I want to repent of, and I don't need to hang on to anymore. It's been too heavy, Lord God. And I'm not blaming you, Lord, for this that's before me because I chose this. But today, Lord God, I want to choose you. I want to choose Jesus. And Lord God, whatever you have for me, I don't know what it is. I might have lessons that I still need to learn, so teach me, Lord God. Teach me to love your word. Teach me to love your ways. Father God, with every hand that's stretched out before you today, Father God, let them know your peace. Let them know the wholeness that can only come from you. We are tired of the sin that's broken this relationship. We are tired of the sin that robs us from being whole. But we thank you, Lord God, as we receive Jesus, as we receive the Spirit of Christ into our life. Lead us and guide us. Have your way in us, Lord God.
Heal us. Heal us from our sin. Take our souls, Lord God, and let them be filled with your spirit. Transform us on the inside, Lord God, and allow your fruit to be seen in our lives that we could reach many more. We, your children of light, will go out into this dark world, Lord God. You've given us peace. Let us know this peace and bring this peace to others as they have the desire to know you, Lord. 